we are on our countdown of my last remaining episodes as host of my startup journey. This episode is very personal to me because David is my entrepreneurship and venture capital club dad. He was the man that sat down with me before I started Kellogg and then later convinced me to run as the president. To David, thank you. Support support, support for this podcast is brought to you by the, the Kellogg Innovation Entrepreneurship Initiative. Think bravely. Think differently. Think collaboratively. Yeah, back in back when eBay first came out, it was kind of the wild, wild west, and you were able to hide behind a username. They never really asked for your age, and you know I was 12, 13, 14 at the time, and my business started to really pick up. And my uncle asked me to sell a car for him. It was you know a thirteen thousand dollar car um, that he had wanted to put up for auction, but because I was I wasn't of age to actually list it anywhere else, I put it on eBay with all the pictures of his car, the, the strong listing, and then when um, pr- prospective customers would call, I had to you know, really beef up my voice and pretend I was an adult. And when they finally came to pick up the, uh, the car, I had to you know, bring my dad with me because I didn't want anything bad to happen. Hello, and welcome to My Startup Journey, a show where we interview Northwestern entrepreneurs, builders, visionaries, and classmates. Today, we are talking to David Haysbrook, alumni, founder of Fishing Enthusiasts, and former president of the Entrepreneurship and Venture Capital Club. For most of us, we probably have some idea in the back of our minds, but what's preventing us from pursuing it? David Haysbrook is a former president of the EVC Club, just like myself, and I would guess that his entrepreneurial spirit is actually genetic. Uh, so I grew up in a big family, I'm one of eight kids, and I also grew up in a very entrepreneurial household. So my dad is an entrepreneur for as long as I can remember. So I grew up in his businesses, uh, starting with, you know, for as long as I can remember, I was either in his warehouse fulfilling products or helping him with his online web design for some of the companies that he started, including giftcertificates.com, hayneedle.com, hammocks.com, and a few others. So I grew up in his businesses, learning, talking to him, watching him grow, and um, also being a part of a big family, you know, you sort of learn to be pretty scrappy because you're <laughs> competing for a... What number were you? I was number two. You know, there's a finite finite amount of attention in a big family and there's a finite number of resources, so it's all very scrappy as part of uh, you know the entrepreneurial mindset. You got to f- kind of chart your own path. So, grew up in that, that household, very entrepreneurial, very big family, great loving family in Omaha, Nebraska, um, and went to Boston College for undergrad started a business right out of school called Fishing Enthusiast. And so my entrepreneurial journey really started one step before that. Uh, I started an eBay business when I was in, in grade school to sell things online. It sort of sent me a, on this entrepreneurial path to, the, I was really amazed with the power of the internet. I was just a kid in my basement that was able to sell used goods online on eBay when eBay first come out and um, was fascinated that you know such a young kid could reach people all over the country. and. That business grew to sell you know, boats, cars, trains, bikes, all sorts of different things. And it really gave me a passion and a fire to, to sell things online to become you know, a, the, an entrepreneur that controls my own destiny. How old were you when you did the eBay one? So the eBay business I started in grade school in seventh grade, I was 13. So let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I think you, I remember you telling me that you sold a car and you just took pictures of cars. Yeah, so back in, How does this work? Yeah, back, in, back when eBay first came out, it was kind of the wild, wild west. And, you were able to hide behind a username. They never really asked for your age. And you know, I was 12, 13, 14 at the time, and my business started to really pick up. And my uncle asked me to sell a car for him, this you know, $13,000 car 
um, that he had wanted to put up for auction, but be, because I was, I was of age to actually list it anywhere else, I put it on eBay with all the pictures of his car, the, the strong listing, and then when um, pr prospective customers would call, I had to you know, really beef up my voice and pretend I was an adult, and when they finally came to pick up the, uh, the car, I had to you know, bring my dad with me because I didn't want anything bad to happen, but uh, <laughs> it, it really was a wild, wild west. Now there's a ton of restrictions on selling cars online and selling boats and all sorts of things that I got away with back then. But How'd you sell a boat? Similar, I, similar concept. It was a guy that I, was at my high school who had heard about my business and uh, wanted to get rid of a, a boat that he had. And same deal, put it online, marketed it um, through eBay and through various different channels. And a guy from Texas drove all the way up uh, to buy the boat. And um, yeah, pretty, pretty amazing. But it really started me on this path of like, wow, this is pretty amazing. You can, wow. you can sell things all over the country. People are willing, you know, if you find the right niche and you market it correctly, you can really grow a small business. Phenomenal. Well, let's talk about the fishing enthusiast. You yeah. did that right out of undergrad? I did, yeah. What, what, what made you, what is it, and what made you even consider that? Yeah, happy. So the fishing enthusiast was um, a fishing lure and fly of the month gift subscription business for hard to shop for fishermen. So I created it in college and then really started it right after school just because I realized that fishermen are very hard to shop for. So this was a gift to finally give the son, mother, uh, brother or you know, sister, anyone who's trying to buy for a fisherman, something that they can finally take out on the water. So it's a monthly box of goods that you know are, are quality baits for saltwater and freshwater fishermen that I know that fishermen love to to, uh, to use. And so was, this was really you know my my second foray into starting a business. Um, but this was you know how do you really learn the full gamut of of the marketing aspect, the Google AdWords aspect, the email marketing to really grow a loyal subscription base. So the business took on a life of its own. We were featured on CNN in the first year, and uh, within the second year we had we were shipping about ten thousand a month. Uh, and so th again, it continued my you know, passion for starting small businesses and really working to to make them grow. Uh, and it was a great learning experience. It continues to be. It still runs today. Um, the next phase after starting it was you know, outsourcing every piece of the business to freelancers, which was another uh, area that I was fascinated with, where I now have a woman in New Mexico who answers all the customer service phone calls. I have a warehouse in Omaha that ships all of the product as it comes in, and so automating every piece of the business so I could continue to do uh, you know, my day job and things that I, I was passionate about wow. was... Um, and just collect. Yeah, and then, and yeah, exactly, exactly. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Did you just come up with it by yourself? It, it came from uh, you know fishing in Omaha, and then also uh, when I was out in, in Boston, it was saltwater fishing. So Omaha is fresh lake, uh, you know, freshwater fishing, and then the saltwater is is a different type of fishing. So the idea sort of spurred from that of how different it is and how you know sending baits back and forth and. Um, you know, it was like, wow, these are great gifts, and it, it's interesting because of you know, fishermen being so hard to buy for. That I realized you know, that was kind of the light bulb moment of this would be a great business to start. Awesome. And then, what brought you is it brought you to Chicago? Uh, truthfully, my wife. <laughs> uh, so I yeah, How'd you we, meet her? Uh, I met her at a wedding in uh, Seattle, and we dated long distance for a while and. Um, she was in Washington, D.C. I was in Omaha, and we did long distance for a while until Chicago was our mutual meeting spot. And so, I, you know, I moved myself as well as my business to Chicago um, for her and continued to run it. But that's really where Kellogg became, a, um, you know, the next real step in my career because I started to attend nighttime classes there, and just to you know realize the reputation that Kellogg had and um, some of the great classes and the professors that they had and that's when I realized is I wanted to really take my business and career to the next level 
that Kellogg, you know, was in my sights, and I did everything I could to get in there. Wow. Well, let's let's backtrack a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, you met your wife at a wedding, and you dated long distance for a little bit. Why you said Chicago was a mutual was in the middle, but did she have a job already in Chicago? She had to get one first. Yeah. So she's a nurse. Um, she works at Children's Hospital now. Uh, phenomenal. Phenomenal job. She does amazing work. You know, it's she's, she does the real work of America. Um, you know, deals with, deals with real real issues for kids, and it's it's an amazing and admirable what she does. So she was in Washington D.C. at Children's Hospital, and um, gotcha. we had to you know wait for her to get an opportunity here at Chicago Children's, and took a little bit of time, but she she and moved here for that. Did you have a job lined up? No, nah, I just moved my uh, me and my various various businesses moved out of my parents' basement into Chicago. <laughs> What did she say when you first told her about your all your entrepreneurial ventures? You told her about eBay. Did she get the same shock and surprise? I think she was, you know, I think she was impressed with the, um, you know, the passion that I had for it for sure. I think, uh, I, I think, I don't know. At least I hope she did. I think uh, she certainly had reservations. She was, you know, out in Washington D.C. as a single, good-looking girl, and she was dating a guy who sold fishing baits out of his parents' basement. I think she had some reservations about <laughs> about that. But I, I think as we reflect on it and laugh at the, those times, it, it was certainly a great building block for us. I realized, you know, she fell in love with a guy that had no money and nothing into his name, so there was definitely none of that. <laughs> you know, there, there's just a guy with, with nothing and a lot of passion and a lot of energy to, to approach life. So I, I think she appreciated that, but always kind of was like, okay, at some point you will... <laughs> This business will grow, or you will get a real job, right? You know, you feed, you provide for her by feeding her from Lake Michigan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. 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 Again and again and again. Very cool. Now, right about here, we started talking about Kellogg and reminiscing about why did David even join Kellogg? Uh, I, I went to Kellogg on a mission, and, and you know, my mission has always been to I want to you know, start my own company and really grow and scale it to to great heights, and that's that's always been my mantra, mantra, and what I've been trying to do is put all the pieces together to get to that point. One thing my dad's always told me is, um, as he breaks out, I think his dad told him this as well, as you look at your lifespan of your career, your 20s are for, you know, you start to build the tools, uh, you start to build the different tools and the different skill sets that need to go into a successful career. Your 30s are when you start to put it together, and then your 40s is really when the whole tool chest comes together. You put all the tools into the tool chest and you take it to work. And so I, I've sort of taken that long view on, on my own career and realized I've been putting together a lot of disparate skill sets in my 20s and starting small businesses and working for a variety of media agencies. Kellogg was an area where I really wanted to focus on what's the next level of scale. How do I learn the leadership aspects of what it takes to take a business to the next level? How do I see what other really successful companies are doing to learn from them so that you know I can either continue to grow their businesses or grow my own future business, whatever it might be. And so I came to Kellogg on a mission to you know, fulfill the next level of skill sets for myself, but also on an entrepreneurial mission to take all of the entrepreneurship classes, be as involved in the entrepreneurship program as possible, learn from the amazing mentors that, that Kellogg offers, um, everyone from you know Linda Dara all the way down to the professors of every different class that I took. Um, there's truly an amazing group of mentors that help whatever phase of your entrepreneurial business career you're in. And so the Entrepreneurship Adventure Capital Club was the, the my first step in as well on you know leading a, leading a team, leading a group, as well as trying to take advantage of all that Kellogg has to offer along that path. What are some classes? that are very memorable for you from Kellogg that you believe have really helped you with this whole entrepreneurial venture or even getting to where you are right now. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I wrote them all down here just for you. The, uh, 
I think one, one that continues to stick out is corporate innovation, which is lean by, led by Dean DeBias and Paul Earle. Uh, I loved the classes at Kellogg that allowed you to go inside companies. I took, a bunch, I took two different independent studies. I took this course. I took another independent, yeah, so two independent consulting, and as well as this corporate innovation. The corporate innovation, we went into United Airlines, which I know is your former employer, and we did a 10-week consulting, innovation consulting project where we were you know, analyzing what it would take to get people on board and off board the airline faster. That was our 10-week project. It was a fascinating project. United let us in and really showed us the ins and outs. We went to O'Hare. We timed people going in and off the plane. We had a lot of different ideas. And it really gave me a glimpse into what it would take to, um, to really provide innovation at scale to a large company. So that was fascinating. And they now, to this day, are my uh, one of the reasons I got into Google was because United Airlines was a client that they were looking for someone to run the account for. and so. I continue to work with United today, so I see that as one class that sort of launched my career into to where I'm at right now. I actually remember watching those <laughs> in the audience. <laughs> I know you I, were. I, was, I think I might have been one of the, the, yeah, you were, the judges, but I had to You were one of the critical thing. judges. You asked a tough question. I remember you, that. I remember what was it you had. Was yours the one to have the gates to be branded by different corporations? Like gate yeah, A7 yep. would be Best Buy, the Best Buy gate. You bet. Like Best that. Buy gate, the Ikea gate, the uh, Ford Motor, Motor yeah, Company yeah, gate. Yeah. Just to try to build a better gate experience. Yeah. I thought it was a brilliant idea. I haven't seen it implemented yet, but <laughs> still working on that. <laughs> what are the classes where you started? Yeah, about? no, so that was that was an awesome one. Uh, Mark Ackler's got a great class on building culture and great teams within startups. Uh, I think entrepreneurship through acquisition is a fantastic class. Uh, that's about you know really starting, uh, starting a search fund and how to buy and sell mm -hmm. a small company that's 1 million to 10 million EBITDA and take it over, uh, which is certainly something that I view as, as a potential opportunity down the road for me. I thought Scott Baker's venture capital class was great. I think he took that one um, as well. The, and then even more so, and one of the things that I think a lot of alumni continued to come in and tell us that I luckily listened to was how important the soft skills classes were. So I went down the track of innovation and culture and entrepreneurship through acquisition and, and you know venture capital classes because I knew I was laser focused on that as a career. But I'm very fortunate that I did spend a lot of time on the leadership classes, the soft skills classes, like Paul Corona teaches a fantastic class yeah. on you know what it takes to be an executive leader. Because at the end of the day, that's, that's what it really takes. I, I've got a team here now and Google has so many different resources that you, know, you need to really learn how to work with people to get them motivated behind your goals and missions for your clients. And that's, you know, that's, that's as big as it gets. It's less about can you pull financial spreadsheets and numbers and can you get a group together and motivate them so that you're hitting your goals together. So those soft skills leadership classes are, are I think, were fantastic. Very cool. Yeah. Very, very, very appreciate all that, all that information. Paul Corona, Personal Leadership Insights. If you're listening, Paul, you're welcome. It's a great, I took that class too. Awesome class. And I, I actually saw him at Carter Cast had a speaking event recently, and I saw him there, and Paul and I were talking, and I know Kevin Renane, who also runs the PLI program, and I was saying, it's one of those classes that seriously is, the more you put into it, the return on it is just yep. amazing, and it's it's not just, I know it's soft skills has this negative connotation, mm -hmm. but it's really, what are you good at? What do you need? What mm -hmm. do you want? All that type of stuff, and you realize, great, not beyond introverted, extroverted, here's how Here's how David operates. This is how I need to operate with him. Yep. And here's how I need to communicate with him. Maybe he needs headphones. Maybe he's headphones, heads down type of dude. Maybe yep. he's super social. Maybe not even that. Maybe this is what's important to him, and that's how I need to. Yeah, I think it's I mean, especially eye-opening because of what Paul does as a career. Where he's an executive coach for Fortune 100 companies, and so getting that sort of that level of insight as a 30-year-old, knowing that what he spends most all of his time with 
you know, C-level executives is exactly what he taught in that class. The empathy, the EQ, the soft skills that are how you need to work with your teams and listen better and motivate people. I think that was that was a light bulb moment for me at Kellogg for sure. Totally. I remember last thing I'll say is on this is I really took away how to listen correctly yeah. from Paul and he was saying, Don't interrupt. Let them go. Yeah. Let them go. And and it's funny when you when you have that lens of how to look at a conversation you see how many people violate that in every day, especially at work. They're just, I, I want to talk. I mm -hmm. want to talk. And it's just like, I got to. That's why this podcast is a success. Yeah, sh you shut up that. <laughs> I want to talk. <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk a little bit more. When you came into Kellogg, yeah. what skill set do you think was your weakest skill set that would be needed for your own, to do your own business? Yeah, I, I went this. I went to Kellogg specifically because I thought what I needed was finance and accounting um, training. I went to a liberal arts, or I went to Boston College, but I was in liberal arts school, so I hadn't taken a whole lot of formal accounting or finance training. And what I learned was enough to be dangerous, which I think is probably more valuable than being able to truly crunch the numbers. And that's, I think, the, the sea change that happened for me was it was less about knowing how to be an accountant and more knowing the questions to ask and the right levers to pull to be able to you know, motivate and empower the the folks who are on, you know on your team or part of your company to be able to you know grow the business. So I think I, where I went for the accounting and the finance because I felt like I lacked there. I I ended up focusing more on the leadership side of it because I realized that was probably more tailored toward my skill set um, than you know diving into a career in finance. So that you feel like you sharpened up on the people management. Aspects. Yeah, and, and frankly, I, I, the finance and accounting classes are great. They're great core classes. That get, I, I felt like I got that foundation that I needed. Um, and then, yeah, the, the people management, the change management skills that Kellogg teaches, I think, are second to none and have really helped in a lot of ways to give you a like a 10,000-foot perspective on you know, what really great companies do, like what's the model to follow for great companies. When we return, Dave talks more about Kellogg and the advice he's learned along the way that will motivate you to smartly start your own dream. Stay tuned. If you had two versions of a website, how do you know which one people would more quickly understand? Could they find the information they were looking for? How long would it take them? Built for UX testing, Usability Hub allows you to see which version of your site or app users prefer. Where would they click? How many do the action you want? And much more. At $2.50 per targeted tester, it's a great way to gain insight about your designs and user interfaces. Sign up at our EBC site to get 40% off of three months or do a pay-as-you-go model. Hey, if you're an entrepreneur or working for a startup and you're looking to grow your business, stay organized, or help with presentations, you should probably listen right now. In this segment, we call this Entrepreneur Tools, and it's a chance for me to tell you about some cool tools that can help you do all that. I have FOMO, fear of missing out. What if you could create a great startup, but you needed a partner, and she's sitting right next to you, but you both never met? Well, now you can. Startup Soulmates is a browser app that I created for you. Swipe through profiles of Kellogg students, read their ideas, mark if you or someone you know can help them, and then create your own profile. I'll then connect you to anyone you marked or to other like-minded students, and then I'll share details about classes, competitions, and each other. We've already had 30 entries and connected about 70% of the entrepreneurs. No download required, and you can get started by texting Start Me Up to 
773-382-8378. Again, that number is 773-382-8378. We're back. For those just tuning in, David was the former president of the EVC Club, and he's truly an entrepreneur. He spoke about all he learned from Kellogg courses, but he also wants to share some great advice. So when you came into Kellogg, you immediately you knew you wanted to be part of the club, and did you apply right away? Like, what was your Yeah, I, 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 had, uh, I did apply right away, and was one of the few in my start class that, that did apply, and it was right as the, it started in January, it was right as the new officers were being um, put into the program, and so, you know, I think I was fortunate that I started right at that time, and so was able to get one full year as an officer, and then the second full year uh, as the president. So, um, yeah, definitely dove in right away and, and knew, knew, knew right away that was the path I wanted to go down um, versus any of the other marketing or finance tracks. And so really wanted to dive in one, one area and focus. I remember you, I remember one, one of my favorite stories about you is, <laughs> this is good. I only got one, <laughs> is it was the first time I met Linda. Linda came to WeBolt to talk about, to kick off the key quarter or, or whatever it is to talk about. Here's what we're going to do and here are the classes we have and kind of the pitch, the key program. And I remember that there was a San Francisco tech trek that uh, I think some of the students were doing. I think it was more in the full-time club. And I hate this distinction too because like I don't care. Yeah. If you are if you want to be entrepreneurial or startup, just, it doesn't matter if you go at night or at day, and all mm -hmm. the adjunct professors are at night anyway, so who cares? But I remember, I said, oh yeah, but I think it's limited to that. And you said, oh, we're gonna do it anyway. <laughs> and she said, what? And I'm like, yeah, we got, we got time set up with this, I think with Twitter or whoever you did. And she's like, oh my gosh. And I see her face, you know, she's amazing. She's very animated. She's like, yeah, she was like, do it. Yeah. I, I, I remember watching you do that and think like, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I was, I think one of the things I was certainly passionate about at Kellogg was getting, the full, you know, the full experience in the evening program. You know, I knew that there was a whole bevy of resources that you were able to take advantage of if you were full time out in Evanston. That as I made a list of all of the things that I wanted to do in the two and a half years, the the tech track was certainly one of them. It's much much more difficult for evening students to do it because you obviously have to take time off of work. But that was something that I just put my mind towards and wouldn't take no for an answer and faced a lot of no's just because historically. You know, they had never done it, but just went about, you know, as, as many of the different back channels as I could, just got us signed up, put a, put, put a class together, you know, got a bunch of people signed up, and then, um, you know, eventually brought, brought it to Linda and said, here's what we're doing. And, um, you know, instead of asking for permission, we just went out and did it. And uh, it was uh, honestly a transformative experience. It was very cool, and it, it set me up for where I'm at today at Google, where I was able to see five different companies mm -hmm. of five different levels in their growth trajectory. Um, so we went and saw uh, a company called Thumbtack, which is a 100-person startup that was valued at a billion dollars. We saw uh, Pinterest, who at the time had about three or 400 employees. We saw Uber, who had about 2,000 employees. And we saw Twitter with 10,000 employees. And each of those are in very different growth spots in their, you know, their growth trajectory. And so you know, that, that was definitely one of those things where I was, I was so glad to have started it, so glad to have pushed through a lot of the, the no's that I was getting. Um, to get to a point that we were able to have that sort of an experience to really see what type of company I wanted to go into after uh, Kellogg. I have this schema in my mind that there's this pyramid, and at the top of the pyramid, a very, very small percentage are people who actually want to make their own ventures and make it and pursue it and, and make it a, a full-time thing. 
and it's probably where you and I are in that group. There's this second group, which is I would be okay just joining someone else's mm -hmm. and not really doing my own thing, and it's like totally fine too. We had a guy who I interviewed, um, Eddie Tao, who did that with yeah. e-retirements and just blew it up and made it amazing. Uh, there's a, then the third and the fourth groups are really less and less risk. So the, the, the third group is more, I want to join a startup that has venture back funding already because then I know I'm not as, as risky. And the last one in the pyramid, the bigger base, which I am seeing this shift where, uh, well, I'll just say it is that people want to join corporate innovation. Mm -hmm. And that way I'm more secure. And I've, noti I've noticed this shift where the Shark Tank-esque, the sexiness of just doing your own thing, people are realizing that it is tough <laughs> work. And you and I could talk about this yeah. uh, for days, but yep. it is tough work. And I think people are realizing too, like I'm not willing to not have an income or not willing to take a hit to my income in order to do this. I'd rather go, mm -hmm. which is not bad at all. But you know, from, from your perspective, what are, I guess, the insights that you've noticed about the Kellogg community in regards to entrepreneurship, the mm -hmm. students, and what advice would you have for them? Yeah, it's, I think it's a really astute observation. And I think, I mean, Linda has done a fantastic job adjusting the curriculum to those sea changes that are happening. That, you know, there, I think there's a shift that goes back and forth from starting, or the pendulum that goes back and forth from everybody wanting to start a business to corporate innovation to high growth startups and whatever it may be. And I think you know the reason that is hard, as you said, right? Like, and that that was frankly one of the um, pieces of advice that I continued to get from a lot of different folks was, don't. I mean, you could start a business if you're extremely passionate about it right now, but if you really want to start a successful business, join a successful business. Join a successful high growth business and just learn and absorb and sponge as much as you possibly can so that you can repeat that, right? So it's just the reputation, or the, the repetition that you can see from a successful company like a Google or a Netflix or an Uber or a Pandora, whatever it may be. Uh, and so that was, I, I felt like that was kind of a common refrain that I heard at, at um, Kellogg a lot, probably more so from the alums than from you know teachers themselves. I think teachers are very good about, or the professors are good about letting you find your own path. Um, but yeah, I think the, you know, I, I think that pendulum does shift back and forth because you know, 90, 95% of startups fail where you have a better chance of paying down your student loans if you go into a corporate innovation type venture, still satisfying your need for curiosity, uh, for growth, for you know solving cool challenges within big companies. Let's say you have Another version of David. He comes in, and what would you what would you tell him? I mean, because you have you have a lot of people who are in this boat where, mm -hmm. like, like I mentioned, they maybe have their own thing, but they're not sure what they should be doing. And and I talked to some other professors, and they're saying, get out there, just yep. try. You know, for me, it was to be perfectly honest, it was, I know what I'm good at. I think I know what I'm good at. I definitely know what I'm not good at. Mm -hmm. Same thing with finance and accounting, and. Let me get the foundation, but I really want to get like really good at this stuff, and I want to get really good at uh, learning how to make a website, learning mm -hmm. landing pages, learning how to do GA, learning how to do AdWords, learning what that means, what single keyword ad. Like you just got to get into it. You know? Yeah, and, but yeah, I, I I totally agree with that, and I think Kellogg gives you that opportunity to jump into companies and try it out, and I think that's. You know, I, I don't know how many students take advantage of it. I hope all students do because there's, uh, you know, obviously a big difference between the classroom learning 
and learning within a different company because there was a few of the companies that I did consulting projects on. I was like, like nope, I don't, you know, this is not the industry and this is not the size company and this is not what I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. So you can check things off. And I thought that was awesome because then that, you know, eliminated me going there full time and wasting a year instead you do it five months, you know, five weeks or 10 weeks. And you can say, yes, this is a career I want to go to, or this is not a career I want to go to. So I would say even, even more than trying to shore up some of your technical needs, like the finance, the accounting, that I would recommend just diving into a company and really trying to find the right fit and the right role and the right team and group to go. Because I think that's, you know, people don't lie when they say, you're, you know, you can really grow if you like what you're doing. Your daughter. Yeah. How, how old? She's one of them? Olivia, sweetheart. Yeah, she's one. Just turned one uh, December 28th. Well, yeah. What would you, let's say, <clears throat> I'm sure for you, you would just, your heart would melt if she was like, I want to make my own business too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you'd be like, only, only specializing in fresh water. <laughs> like, but I'm sure if she came to you and she was like, hey, I want to do, I want to do this. Um, you, you'd just be like ecstatic. That'd be awesome. Probably, right. What, um, I guess like, if you could help her form her palette, and let's say Kellogg too, but it doesn't need mm -hmm. to be Kellogg, but if you could form her path, what advice would you give her in terms of learning what she needs to learn to eventually get to that that uh, dream or vision that she has? Yeah, a great question. Uh, and I should think about this more, no, I'm kidding. But the, yeah, I mean, I, I think, even as I look at my most formative experiences, I gotta say ha most of them were just working for my dad's businesses growing up. Um, or even you know the eBay business was where you learn the ins and outs of customer service and how to treat people right and how to sell things. So as I look at those and if that's the path that she gravitates towards, it would honestly be like lemonade stands. It would be you know helping her really figure out <laughs> mobile. You know giving her, I'm very opposed to giving her a phone right now as my wife knows. But you know that's you know the future is helping her figure out what's you know what's next, which she's going to know much better than I will be. Um, so I think setting up those opportunities early in life, because those are the ones I continue to reflect back on today is, you know, I worked in a warehouse, I worked on the back of a trash truck, you know, I, I know just from working for my dad's businesses, the back end of businesses pretty well. So I would hope to, if she wants to go down that path, I would hope to be able to provide that sort of experience for her to see all different types of businesses, all different types of people, how they work, how they operate, how they're motivated. And I think you inter intuitively can learn a lot more than you think at a young age. So that I would hope to expose her to a lot of different opportunities like that so she can make her own path. But that's crazy to think of her being a real person. She just started walking. I can't think about her being an entrepreneur right now. <laughs> I love it. You know, I, 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 I do love hearing that. And what I'm noticing from listening to you, and I've never met your father, but uh, hearing the story is it's almost there's this pattern of transfer of knowledge, but only a little bit. It's almost like your dad was saying, when you're this age, here's what you should be doing. Then this age, you should be gathering those tools and you know put in the tool. But but he's not telling you what to do. It's more just like here's a path, and it doesn't have to go left or right. But you just got to get to here and here and here. And it sounds like the same thing of what you would want for your daughter is, it's gonna get dirty and it's gonna get really hard, but you got to be able to do it and I hope you figure it out almost. so it's, yeah. it's kind of interesting to see that yeah he's and I, I mean I give a nod to both my parents really my that they've all eight of us they've empowered us to do you know what we want and they put us in the opportunity to succeed in a lot of different ways through great schooling and just helping to guide us down the right path I mean my 
my mom is a preschool art teacher and so all of my creative genes come from her and she's the one who sort of spurs and pushes us and my dad kind of provides the guiding light and the path to go and then my mom's more like the pusher but all eight of us are very different i've got a one sister who's a teacher i have a brother who's a doctor i have a sister who's a nurse and then some younger siblings still in college but we've all gone down completely different paths and i think it is a testament to the way that we were raised that you're raising a big family, <laughs> you know, you sort of got to find your own path, you find your own passions, you find your own niche. I've gravitated more towards what my dad did, uh, did as a career. Um, and so that's the path I've gone. He's you know, the best mentor you could possibly ask for. You've got a dad who's been a successful entrepreneur and is now in venture capital. So um, yeah, I think that certainly owe a lot of it to them. There you have it. That's David Haysbrook. If you didn't pick up on it already, David works for Google as an account executive in the travel vertical. He's constantly thinking about how to bring innovation to the air, hotel, and other travel industries. And as he mentioned, he's gathering the tools that he needs to really scale any other entrepreneurial vision he has. Personally, I consider David to be a great friend and motivator. I am always thankful of him taking time to sit down with me to talk that day about Kellogg and the EVC Club. I'm John Lee, and you're listening to my startup journey. You and I actually have some history together. Yep. Where my story is that I got involved with the Entrepreneurship Venture Capital Club, EBC, by talking to you before I even joined Kellogg at all. I was accepted and then I looked at the list of show me all the, um, any any club that has the word entrepreneur in it and, or startup. And I looked and I reached out to people and I talked to KEO and I talked to a bunch of other ones, but you're the one who actually sat down with me. We sat down in Gold Coast-esque uh, before you went to Trunk Club for, to, get, to get all nice and pretty. And we, I remember you talked, and we talked about the club and what it does and all the stuff. And I really appreciate it, seriously. I really, really yeah. appreciate that. And that, that was a huge part because I wanted to get into that. And then I remember later when you were leaving, you were moving things around and you said, I should apply to, like, you should apply to the EBC Club. You really should, should. And then the rest is history. But what was it for you that got you into the club? Yeah, um, well, I think first off, I didn't tell you to apply. I told you you were joining the club, and then second, I told you you were going to become president because we Kellogg needed you more than more than uh, <laughs> than I did. But um, this I, is my dad, everyone. <laughs> exactly.